Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob, sometimes known as Pork Pie Hat. Pork Pie Hat! <laughs> coming, coming to you from the outer ridges of your sanity, the part where sanity meets insanity and co-mingle and have cookies. I also call it being out in the country, which we always are every week. We're out in the country uh, using somebody's shack, and hopefully they never catch us. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I'm totally ab-libbing, because thanks to Rob... Thanks to me, I did it. I said one thing, and then I did another. Yeah, See, Rob, <laughs> Rob was supposed to be going to Zimbabwe to look for the uh, uh, mighty... Rhinoceros statue of thing of what the statue of Pichu Padichu. Yeah, that's the one. And uh, so a, I wrote all this thing about how he was going away for three weeks and how unnecessary and stupid it was. Yeah, because it took away from the shows that we had in the thing. And Priorities. then he told us, he told me as we were coming here that he wasn't leaving. Uh, as we were coming here, by yeah, the way, I to found do that the show. Out, I think a day and a half ago. Yeah. yeah. So this is a funny thing. No, no, you got to be sitting down for this, people. This is a funny thing. You see, this is supposed to be our week off. <laughs> so I, I had to work an extra week on the script and everything. And and I got this bad back, as you know, if you've been listening to the show for the last two weeks. It's a better, but it's not. It's it, it needed another week. It's like which I didn't get. Someone's punched him in the back. And then I got I got this like this. This virus, which made me very tired, so it was like a really bad week to do the show. And yeah, it, we could have canceled. Yet I didn't know. I didn't know. Oh, yeah. hilarious! I was so worried <laughs> about getting off schedule. <laughs> oh man! And now I got this this whole. I got so many jokes here. I got I, this whole monologue is just full of jokes that I can't use because right. it was all about Rob going to Africa and and, and getting raped by uh, death death by bunga. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what he said. Um, so. Oh, so I'm here. So, yeah. So you guys, you, you're looking good out there, audience. <laughs> <laughs> you're I'm, looking mighty good. I'm not going nowhere. Plus, I was going to use uh, the three weeks that he was going to be gone. To do stuff. To do editing of all the Jabbered episodes. And everything's fucked now. Everything's... <sighs> Now I'm getting into the serious mode and say everything's kind of fucked because... Uh, now what do we do? Did you call me a Jew? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind, except I'm not Jewish, but not, that's funny. Not upon this occasion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't find it a slur or anything. It's just funny you would when I'm not Jewish. But anyways, um, and, and there's more funniness to this there's even more I can't think of it right now because I'm, I'm unscriptless it's like being naked except it, it, what you're using for your loincloth is your script your script <laughs> and the script in this case is now full of holes oh man so it's it's full of holes and it's so so anyways hey you know what hey hey <laughs> You know, since we've lost everybody by now, because I'm just ad-libbing the whole thing to the we've got to the garden show, we can say what we want. Yeah, we can do anything we want now. Why the hell did you? Why didn't this you? Why, why, why did you fuck everything up? <laughs> uh, the job fell through, and there was just no money yeah, to be yeah, made yeah. there. And I don't care. I just the gold I just, reserves uh, dried up. Uh, and... I'm tired. 
Yeah. <laughs> this is the worst show ever right now. Um, Let's get straight to the album and finish her off. No, because I care too much. Uh, I, that's the problem. I can't just wing a show and say, that's it. Because I care too much. I love these people. Some of them I don't. Mostly the people who write letters in, and yeah. they piss me off. But the people who don't write... But we want people to write... By the way, if you're writing a letter, and I should be saying this every week, and I never do, it's at soundsfromthe70s at gmail.com. And I'll say it again without the big pause. <laughs> it's soundsfromthe70s at gmail.com. And if you want to ask any type of question or ask for Rob's... Uh, 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 sexual preference I don't know he might answer <laughs> he might. let me answer that for Rob I don't know uh, and uh, you want to talk about monkeys I was going to have a monkey here and everything And uh, oh what I was going to talk about uh, was that we were going to have like and it gets confusing because I would talk about how we would have we have shows in the can in the can but that didn't apply to what we're doing. It gets really complicated. It's like a a juggling. It's act. hard for me to understand, let alone explain it to our audience who is not from the inside. Except when you listen to this show next week, I guess, it, it would have sounded like we had never left or you had never left because yeah. it would pick up where it was. And yet, we would have taken like three weeks so off. So essentially, no break between last show and this yes. show. That's the Even though there was a break. Anomaly. It's yes. And anomaly? I can't really explain anomaly. it. Because the, the more <laughs> I explain it, the, the more complicated it gets. <laughs> and I had a couple of jokes. I had a good joke. I'm going to say the joke because we have time to waste. I'm going to say the joke I had. I said we, we were going to rerun <laughs> A show we were going to read uh, do a show that we had had put in the vault from 1988 where we reviewed the uh, the, the Thompson Twins and that was the show of course where Rob said that the album was bitching and uh, it was much funnier in the context that I was doing it in but I I thought that was funny because first of all uh, we don't do 80s albums and second of all Rob never says bitching no one they had funny hair. They did have funny hair. The and girl were... had funny. Remember the girl had funny hair? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, they, they were married, by the like way. That? The the head Thompson was married to the girl. Are they still married? No. Oh, I don't think. No, I don't think. No, they aren't. Okay. No. They they by the way, <laughs> this is a terrible thing to say, <laughs> but there are a lot of great sets that happened at Live Aid. Of course, Queen had what is called like one of the one of, if not the greatest rock and roll set of all time. Uh, Thompson Twins was not one of them. <laughs> they actually had a set which was quite embarrassing. Quite embarrassing for all, including them. They were doing their part. Okay, so you know what we got? We got a new theme this week. And the theme is... Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were a new theme song. And I'm like, this is the first time I've heard of it. When did this change occur? Let's listen well, to the, the engineering. I'm not feeling well. 
I'm tired and my brain's not working right. <laughs> and the theme of shows. Okay. It I sounded understand. like I was going to press a button. And they'd be like... You mentioned before the show. That could be our new theme. Our new theme song. But no, what I was trying to say is that we're doing our... And in all seriousness, we're doing our In Memoriam for uh, artists who have passed. We're doing it four weeks. Uh, uh, of this theme and uh, we're going to start off with Jeff Beck uh, the guitar god and we're going to review his 1976 jazz rock fusion album Wired uh, which uh, I am quite a lot of the time but not tonight tonight I'm very sleepy and wish I was home which I should be should be you'd be recovering if you were home Oh, I would be recovering, and then I'd be like really good for next week, and then we do Wired next week. Oh, that'd be a uh, great, yeah. But now I'm babbling, and then I'm just going on and on. Dragging yourself through it as best you can. Now, I don't know if I mentioned this because I'm off script, but I'm going to go back on script. Now, this can be looked at as our, oh yeah, this is interesting. This can be looked at as our first album in this series of In Memoriam, or our fourth album in our last series where we spotlighted Jazz guitar albums of the 1970s. Ooh. It works both ways. Remember when you worked both ways? Uh, no. <laughs> Not intentionally. <laughs> Not intentionally. Yeah, you did for a while. It was funny. You made a lot of money, though. Uh, so speaking of monkeys, which I don't think I did mention, here's the show's very own monkey uh, telling us how your week was. How was your week, Rob? Uh, it had its ups and downs. I thought uh, I'm uh, in a lot of trouble. I'm going to go down. But then uh, something happened. It went up again. And uh, I, was, I was flying high there for a bit. And then uh, another thing happened. I'm back at even Steven again. And, Don't uh, kill our audience. Why the fuck you have to kill our audience all the time? <laughs> why, why can't you say stuff that at least would keep them interested until I finish drinking my water? Why can't you? Who else can be that dull that naturally? Oh, odds and ends. Odds and ends. Lost time is not found again. Now, this week on Odds and Ends, do I sound really tired? And because I am. I want to sleep so bad. Just like I've slept like 18 hours a day for the last three days. Oh, I remember when I was a musician, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I apologize if I do. I'm not feeling. We should be doing. I shouldn't be doing the show. Today, this but is Rob's, crazy. A, Rob's an idiot. Yeah. I just I insisted upon it. I was like, uh, do the show or I'll uh, we'll fight. And we didn't fight, but uh, we, don't fight. we don't fight. But it was it, 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 we had to buy the week, not buy the week like with money, but we needed the week so that we could. Uh, yeah, I don't want to get into stuff. that complicated yeah. shit again. I don't want to get into that's that. ridiculous. So this week on Odds and Ends, we have to talk about another musician. I'm getting sick and tired of this. Uh, who passed away this past week? This is getting ridiculous, sadly ridiculous, how every week we have to talk about... It's been a bad four weeks. Every week, literally for the last four shows, we've had to talk about... Almost literally, I go home and I find out somebody died after doing a show. It's like I shouldn't watch... Maybe if I don't put on media after I... No, we won't die. Everyone will live forever. (laughs) But uh, the leader of the seminal New York punk new wave group of the late 70s tom verlaine the group was of course television 
passed away at the age of 73. Uh, television was huge in the late 70s. They only made two albums. They made uh, one of the greatest guitar albums of all time. Everybody who's listened to Marquee Moon, their debut album, will tell you uh, how revolutionary that album was with the twin guitars of Tom Verlaine and Richard Lloyd. And then they made Adventure, and then they broke up. Uh, they got back together in the, the new millennium to do a, a, a concert tour now and then. You can see it, you can see it on YouTube if you want. Uh, a couple of their concerts, and they did a studio album. Uh, but I just remember television in the late seventies, and they were, I don't know, they they had a punk lifestyle, but they were very, I don't know, they were just a really cool band. I I, I, I find them unclassifiable. And anyways, I was a big, uh, I wasn't a big Tom Verlaine fan, but I liked him. He was, they were, they were a cool band. They weren't, they were more like Talking Heads like. All those bands were different. Everybody thinks like, oh, those those CBGB bands were the same, like Blondie and the Ramones and uh, Talking Heads and Television. They were all different. Like they all, they all had their own a view uh, uh, of music, and uh, Television was. It was the Guitar Heroes, and we're celebrating Jeff Beck's life, and it's uh, it's kind of apt that we're talking about Tom Verlaine, who just passed away last week because he was he was a, a more of a um, that generation's guitar hero, and uh, so anyway, that was very sad. And today we are going to continue. We're not going to do, unfortunately, we're going to do, a t I, I promised to do a television record and review it for a long time. But that's not part of our in memoriam because it just popped up and we already have it filled. Rob, we have it filled. We have it filled. Which is sad because we don't <laughs> want to have it filled. We don't want to do any of them. But uh, I just read today, I just read today that... Uh, that it's uh, as we've said that oh well get ready I think I read in Rolling Stone today that it get ready because we'll be doing this on a weekly basis and I was going like that's nice very sad but anyways today we are going to continue with our look at the top 100 singers of all or top 200 singers of all time as published by Rolling Stone magazine actually published on January 1st and today we talk about the top 10 singers on the list Last week, we talked about the singers from number 20 to number 11. And then, in the following show, we are going to just peruse the rest of the list and see what interesting names come up. It will make us angry. It does make me angry. <laughs> makes other people angry. It does make me angry. Well, this, is, well, this one makes me angry just because stupidity makes me angry. I shouldn't say that. That's that's not smart. Because <laughs> there are people who like these singers, and I shouldn't have said that. I apologize for that, because uh, I'm are, just there are people who are not you who like these singers. Yes, exactly. This guy here, he's really good. If you like that sort of thing. if you like that sort of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody I have no qualms about whatsoever. Uh, this guy just makes me. Go gaga when I hear him sing the oh. Reverend, the Reverend Al Green. Okay. Uh, it comes in at number ten, and man, Al Green, like, holy shit! Every time I, every time I hear Al Green, like, on the radio, sing, uh, 
my mind's not working. Let's stay together and uh, call me and all those songs. You know, it's just like take me to the river. Oh fuck, man! It's like I got no words. It's just like wow. Uh, and he gets this. He just gets carried away with every song he sings, and um, you know, it's got that Memphis funk groove behind him. And there is no one like the Reverend Green. Also, I hear quite a. Uh, Difficult guy to uh, <laughs> record music with, but I don't know. That's when we did the Al Green album. I didn't know that, and I made these praises about how nice a guy he is. And then I read some stuff about it. We did the Al Green album, uh, "Call Me." See, I, I remember, and you we praised cool. the album because it was like Al Green, yeah. and you can't do anything else except praise the album. And then uh, I've heard, I've heard some things. <laughs> some people about, they talk about, yeah, about Al Green being uh, especially when he was taking going through his drug period before he became a minister and everything like that that uh, he was quite an interesting fellow <laughs> <laughs> but we don't talk about that shit that's not important to us number nine oh my god so great oh greatest one of the greatest of all time there's no doubt about it Otis Redding uh, how many times have I watched this performance at Monterey Pop Festival in 67? Holy, so try a little tenderness. Uh, his version of I Can't Get No Satisfaction and, of course, Doctor the Bay, which is actually not one of my favorite songs. I, uh, I, I, I like his, his hardcore soul ballads more than his... I can see where he's going. And he recorded that days before he died in a plane crash in late 1967. And uh, I got ugh, Otis Redding. One of the best performers of all time. Right up there with James Brown. Otis Redding. Great vocalist. Again, I see, I know he had a great vocal. He had great vocals, plus he could sing. You know what I mean? He, uh, he had a great voice, but he knew how to use the voice, and he didn't overuse it. I kind of know. You know what I mean. We're going to talk about overusing voices in a couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's coming up. I'm not going to say anything about Beyonce at number eight. Uh, I hear she's great. Yeah. And I hear that you say anything bad about her. All her bees come after you. That's what her, that's what her fan club is called. So I have nothing bad to say about. Her. I really don't know. All I, I don't listen to her, uh, so I hard can't. to judge. Hard to judge. So how can I say anything? So I just say, if it's on number eight, then great, fantastic, lover, very sexy, very sexy. Uh, speaking of sexy, Stevie Wonder is at number seven. Um, I can see that. I want to read this. Hold a second. Hold on a second, because they mentioned here in Stevie Wonder at number seven. Love Stevie Wonder. Genius. Oh, man. His singing on, when we did Talking Book, his singing on that is so effortless and yet so soulful. Uh, I have no qualms about him being at number seven. Yeah. But then they have to mention, like, uh, I just called to say I love you on here. And <laughs> like I said, it's the worst song that is a, was ever made a hit single by a known artist in the history of pop music. Stevie, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? He was thinking, uh, if I get a big single, uh, then I can just uh, you know pack her in and uh, live on an island somewhere. But don't, he didn't. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so many great songs. Uh, I, I agree with that. And 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Just, Rob, you got to help me tonight. I'm not doing well. So if you hear a low, just go, hey, man, that's great stuff, eh? Just to okay, try it. Uh, my week was really good. No, okay, forget it. <laughs> Number six is Ray Charles, the great Ray Charles. Uh, could be a jazz singer, could be a blues singer. Uh, sang country. Uh, he did everything. R&B, pop, jazz, country, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he sang, oh yeah, he sang America the Beautiful. I remember, I remember Ray Charles singing America the Beautiful. That and he made, and he actually made it uh, really cool, like he actually made it like really soulful, uh, and like they say, the man could could make anything soulful. And uh, so Ray Charles, uh, number six, no qualms about that. We'll give him the top five. Top five. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get some controversy. In fact, we're gonna get some controversy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we got number five, and this is, uh, I'm sorry, this, this you, you don't this buy this singer, monarchy. This singer just, just does nothing for me. And as a matter of fact, when a singer actually pisses you off, <laughs> not only as a person. That's nothing good is what you meant to say. Yeah, as a person and as a singer, then you know you're going to take exception to them being on number five. I'm even going to make a, a bold statement and say that Mariah Carey, even being on this top 200, I would rather have Celine Dion on this top 200 list than Mariah Carey. And of course, everybody knows that Celine Dion did not make the top 200 list, which everybody was cuckooing about. But Mariah Carey, I know she's got a great voice, but... I don't think she uses it well at all. I, I think that it's a lot of vocal gymnastics. I think it's uh, a lot of just uh, drama for non, just for drama's sake. And uh, I ain't a fan at all. In fact, I ain't a fan of the person. I think she's a diva with an attitude that needs to be hung, brought, brought down a couple of rings. And I uh, just don't like her. I don't like her as a singer. I don't want to go to any parties that she invites me to. I was invited to one. I said, no thanks. I'm busy when I was only, when all that I was doing was watching an old episode of uh, Sanford and Son. I remember that. Oh, Sanford and Son was great. I was going to do it, 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 it. You dummy. Why are you dummy? <laughs> See, you can say dummy back then. You call, you call your son a dummy now and it's... Uh, you, you, oh, you go to jail. You go to jail. You go right to jail. You go right to jail. Um, number four. I hope nobody gets mad about what I said about Mariah Carey because that's my opinion. Uh, but my opinion means a hell of a lot more than a lot of people's because I have listened to hundreds and hundreds of records and you people have it, so go to hell. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm not feeling well. <laughs> and Rob's not helping Go me. with it. Uh, Billie Holiday. Yeah, you know what? You either love Billie Holiday's voice or you don't. And she has that, that laid back where it misses the beat and then comes in on the offbeat, which is really cool. But... It has, it has never, 
and this is just personal because I know she's great. I know she's one of the greatest singers of all time. I know that, but I just I just have a hard time. She sounds she sounds like what she probably is a lot of the time, which is high. And I don't mean that in a facetious way. I actually mean that you know that somebody said it perfectly when they said that her her singing is like. It's like right after she would do heroin, and you're kind of like, uh. okay, well, um, uh, you, you you drained and unfocused. Yeah. Oh no, I don't know if that's the right. Okay. Um, I don't know. a little bit, uh, a little bit of that kind of uh, unfocused. I, I no, but a little bit on your own beat. And a, and, and a little bit laid back because you're a little bit laid back with your timing. And I, that's why I mentioned why it's always on the offbeat is because you're singing um, your, you know, how heroin makes you like a half second slower when you're thinking and you're going, oh, how you doing? Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, and it's, uh, but her voice, you know, just the sound of her voice, it's just, and that is totally just me not liking the voice as it sounds and the kind of like that that heroin type of voice where it's it's off the beat for a, a second and it it's but i acknowledge the greatness of of billy holly maybe the greatest along with Rita franklin maybe the greatest uh female voice of all time it's just not my taste that's all i remember when i was working in the cd store and uh we played Billie Holiday quite a bit, and I loved, I just loved the, the music and everything, but the voice, which was the centerpiece of it, of course, because Billie Holiday never, 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 I was listening to the songs, which are great, but the, the vocals always just made me a little bit, Neh. sorry about that, because that's, that's really a personal thing. It's like when people say they don't like Dylan singing, and I go, you got to be kidding me. He's like the greatest singer of all time. And they go, what? I can't. Whenever time his voice comes on, I turn it off. I understand that. I don't take umbrage with that because I understand that there are voices that are different, and you either like those different voices or you don't. Yeah, it's exactly it's how the voice impacts you when you hear it. Exactly. Yeah, it is subjective. Number three, I've got a, yeah, this is good. Uh, but again, um, with number, is this number four? Did I say number four, Rob? Did I? I don't know. No, I yeah, said number three. Yes, you were, number three. <laughs> you weren't paying attention. I was going to see if you were paying attention. You wasn't funny. Well, you just said number three. So when you said uh, what number did I say? Do you mean the number four? I feel like Billie Holiday right now where I'm like a, a, a step behind the beat and I'm like, hey. Yeah, that's cool, man, because I'm really tired and I'm not feeling good. we got to get you some right, <laughs> some right, right proper chemicals, some doctors. So we would not be doing this show if, if I knew. That like, I wasn't if going you, If you weren't going, if you yeah. were going to uh, the Marquise yeah. Islands, like you said you were going to no, go, yeah. then we would not be doing this show. But this is how much I care. I care too much for the show. Anyways, Sam Cook. I Sam Cook's voice is really smooth, and it's like velvety brilliance. But I don't get the um, oh, when he sings, a change is gonna come. One of the greatest songs of all time. Not only because he wrote it, but his vocal on a change is gonna come is just it's just one of the greatest vocals I've heard. 
but it's a little bit too smooth for me. Again, it's it's uh, it's I don't know. It doesn't have the harshness that an Otis Redding has or Ray Charles, where they can go alternate between smoothness and and I just uh, I don't think I've heard enough of Sam Cooke to really um, comment too much about it. Other than I have no I have no qualms about it being at number three at all. He's Except I just haven't heard it. They're like the stuff like You Send Me and Wonderful World. And they just don't sound like their hard songs to sing. And maybe they are. But uh, he makes it sound so smooth and so effortless uh, that I don't think of it as, as being uh, like great singing. And uh, maybe those aren't the best songs to hear. When he was in the gospel group, the Soul Stirrers, I hear that was his greatest work when he sang gospel. Like to hear that stuff. Uh, can't comment, but I do agree with it because uh, I just know better people than me who would say that Sam Cooke is the greatest singer of all time. He so, has yeah. a reputation based upon stuff you haven't heard. That's probably it. It's the stuff you hit the reindeer on the nose. Because you probably just one. did that stuff that you heard just to, just to pay the bills. Don't you ever say pay my bills to me. Pay my bills. <laughs> I pay my bills. Don't you ever say pay my bills to me. Um, sound like a threat. Was actually just buying time. Uh, <laughs> number two, God. Now, are they serious about this one? I can't believe it. A woman with a fantastic voice that can do, it can go from the smallest register all the way up to the top, said this last week on, I think it was last week on, yeah, last week on the show, but she does nothing for me. Uh, Whitney Houston, number two. Okay. Uh, I think she totally destroyed Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You. Uh, it says here at Rolling Stone, it became one of the defining singles of the 1990s. It became one of, I just, I just, I think she just destroys songs for me. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other song we were talking about? The George Benson's Oh, uh, the greatest love of greatest all. Love of which all. I love George Benson's vocal. It's it's very real. It's very touching, and her vocal is just way overboard. And yes, it's sung perfectly, even maybe even more than perfect, because she puts so much emotion in it. But there's too much. It, it, putting too much emotion into something is just as bad as not putting enough. Yeah, it's singing songs for the sake of the, uh, the, the more for the voice than the other uh, song. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's what I hear when I, when I hear, I've heard her sing some great stuff. Like, uh, I like that. I like, to, uh, what's that song from her first album? What's that song, Rob, that you like so much? <laughs> what's that song that, that you just can't get enough of? about a Whitney Houston song? <laughs> ah. <laughs> um. It's the upbeat. I want to dance with somebody. Oh, yeah, that song. I like that. Uh, she, But she's following kind of rules, which is cool. But then when you say, oh, this is a, especially on a ballad, and you say, you know, you would say to Whitney, you know, sing this song we got a great ballad for you then all of a sudden the hysteronics come and the vocal gymnastics and I don't go for that shit that's a personal opinion a lot of people get wowed by that like with Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston I, I, I consider Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston except I think Whitney Houston has a better voice to be in that same sort of overdoing a song to the point where I feel ill <laughs> okay so I think you know how I feel about Whitney Houston being number two. Thank. Oh, here's a song right here. I want to dance with somebody, somebody who loves me. 
that always I still hear that song on the radio because I don't you know I got crappy radio yeah, right you now got crappy radio and they yeah. can't control what <laughs> but it always makes me happy I would, that's the one Whitney Houston song I really like one <laughs> I don't want anybody to get offended it's just my opinion and it's and it's probably like no opinion is wrong except somebody will have a vastly different opinion I, I, of it I, I, so when somebody says I think Whitney Houston is the greatest singer of all time I say well to you she is and that's great yeah I but didn't you have to accept my so opinion sick. I think she's that, that I can't stand listening to her my my personal opinion on uh, my favorite singers is I I kind of have to uh, to like what they're doing, and uh, if I don't if I'm indifferent to them, they're not in my greatest singer list. If I don't like what they're doing, they're definitely not on my greatest singer list. Wow, you're harsh, harsher than me. You make me look like a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> I I'll be bad cop today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Move over, <laughs> but number one, I got no, I got no qualms about this. Um, you know, singers are like with everything. I guess it's all it's 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 all based on what you think, and I don't think anybody can can really doubt this when they say that Aretha Franklin is is the greatest singer of all time. I, I think. Just like Rolling Stone says here, she's a f- force of nature, you know, a work of genius, a gift from the heavens. And there, and I got to say this, like, I know of all the hits and I've, I've listened to albums and I've heard Respect and I've heard Chain of Fools. But I'm telling you, oh, and one of the greatest things I ever saw, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show, was a couple years ago when I saw the gospel documentary she did called Amazing Grace, which was just fucking phenomenal. One of the greatest documentaries I've seen. It's, it's, uh, it's where they filmed uh, Aretha Franklin in uh, her... Ch- it was a church in Los Angeles. I don't know whether it was her church that she went to, but her dad was preaching at the church, and she sang, and they decided to film it. Sidney Pollack filmed it, and then... They had trouble syncing the sound, so it never got released until after Aretha never wanted it released in her lifetime until they fixed the problems, which she never did. She died. They did manage somehow to fix the in, the in sync problems between the picture and the singing, and it just oh, I've never heard singing like that. I've never heard. You know, I've heard a lot of gospel singing, but it's gospel singing like Elvis and stuff like that. When you hear Aretha Franklin sing gospel, it's like, it's like I, I got no words. I really don't even know what to say other than it was so deeply moving for the whole movie that uh, it was it, it just altered my whole thinking about singing and, and everything. And then when I heard her sing... She filled in for who did she fill in for? Was it uh, Placido Domingo? Do you remember? No, <laughs> Rob doesn't know. No, I don't. Shit. I think it was uh, Harvey Keitel. <laughs> when she had to fill in for the opera star, and I can't remember who it was, whether it was a Placido Domingo or somebody because they were sick, and she came on the Grammys completely cold and blew the house away by doing an opera song, Nessum Dorma, without a rehearsal. And I watched it live. And I was in tears. It was, it was, how can somebody 
just sing opera like that, stone cold, without, you know, and just be just as good as people who have practiced it all their lives. <laughs> Aretha Franklin is, is the queen of all. She's the she's the queen of 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 this. She's the king and queen of singers. Uh, I got no uh, qualms about her. Number one, she was number one when they did the first list. I think what no when they did the last list when they did the first list. I think Dylan was number one, and uh, but Aretha is just Aretha. She she was she was otherworldly. And what I was going to say when I was talking about you know it's a taste thing is that. When I was looking at the top ten list, I was thinking like, you know, you know who's on my top? Everybody has, everybody should have their own top yeah. ten, top twenty. That's the list that counts as your own. I don't have a large number of these people in my top ten list because I'm not familiar with the bulk of their material enough to be able to to, to put them in. There. So you can only rank what you know. Yeah, that's why exactly. we part of why we have. You our have own to top go with 10. what you know. Yeah. And listen, if somebody has Tom Waits on their top 10 list it's just as valid as anyone else because hey if you're moved by tom waits's voice which sometimes i am yeah not so much with his later stuff but with his early stuff uh his piano stuff and his singing uh people i even probably listening right now are saying are you kidding all that gravelly voice i said yeah but what he does with it is unbelievable and it's it's what you do with the gift you've got. And that's what makes, that's why Tom Waits is not singing in a piano bar someplace for the last 40 years, is because there's a talent there, not only for songwriting, but how you sing. And what I was thinking about was one of my favorite singers, and I know she's, pro she's definitely in this top 200, which is Karen Carpenter. Who every song she sings just doesn't blow me away, but we've talked about this on a couple of shows, Rob. We always talk about Karen Carpenter because she just yep. she has some. It's just like when I was saying she makes me stop what I'm doing and listen. Yes, it's the opposite <laughs> of what I'm saying about how Billie Holiday kind of makes me cringe just because I don't like the voice, and I have a special affection, a more of a, an affection for like Karen Carpenter than maybe even people who love her have, just because it, it, it I don't know, the sound of it just does something to me. It makes me sad because she has, and this is before she even died. You know, I, I would just listen to her songs and I go, she has such a sad lilt to it all the time. There's something about the voice. Uh, there's something about the singing. There's something about sad about what she, even when she's singing the happiest song, there's almost, yeah, I'm happy now, but when the song's over, I'm going to be pretty sad. And it just gets me. It gets me sometimes I got to turn off the radio or whatever I'm listening to when she's on. And I guess that's what I mean. Like she would be on my top five list, but everybody has a top list. And that's why you can't take this seriously. It's important. And I know that I say this almost weekly when we do lists and shit like that, that I do believe lists are important because it gives you, especially like a person like you, Rob, who say, oh, I've never heard that person's music. I didn't know they were a good singer. 
and I'm not putting you down. I'm just, I'm no, just saying no, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you it's, go, you know what? That person's number three. I like to hear their stuff. Yeah. That's what these lists. That's what these lists did for me when I was a kid, and I was trying to learn curious. where to listen to music. Right. Because when you see someone ranked in there that you've never heard of, and like, oh, who's that? Why are they talking like so amazingly about them? I've got to listen to this person. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what these lists are for. And then when you feel that you've uh, listened enough that you can make a list, and you make your own list, right? And that's the most important list is the list you make for yeah, yourself. Yeah, because that's a you don't even have to share that with anyone. It's yours. It's it's for your use. It's yeah. Your and if somebody says, "Well, that's why you have that person on," that person's crappy. As well, if you think that, that's fine. But I think the the, the that person is just amazing and i can't i can't I, I, you know uh, we have this that person is amazing and you sir have marked yourself <laughs> as an idiot <laughs> please don't talk to me again and or, uh, could you erase your phone number from your phone and 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 the thing is that we used to have this it was an argument because we and our rob never argue we may be mad at each other but never at the same time yeah <laughs> <laughs> so he may be mad at me but uh, I, I'm going like hey well it's okay <laughs> I, but one of the things that is that was Rush was a was a band that I had a hard time getting into and I told Rob like because Rush or Rob was a big fan of Rush when we met and then when we got the band together and I said I can't you know I like the I like the kind of like the moving pictures Rush where the keyboards came in and and Gaty Lee started singing, and I think he's a really good singer, but I can't listen to the early stuff. And because it sounds like screeching and I can't hear the words. And and um, we basically, and he understood that you were really good. You understood, you never, you never, um, <coughs> excuse me, you never said like, oh, that's stupid or anything. That's not the way you are anyways. No. But, but you said, you, I remember distinctly, you said, oh, I can understand I can understand that. And then I did submerge myself. I remember it's because I bored your... Uh, At All the World's a Stage. Uh... No, I bored your three record set of the first three albums. Remember? Oh, that's right. I didn't bore it. I have it. You them. gave yeah, it to me because yeah. you had an extra copy. Yeah. And I, I was listening to those three records over and over again. And I said, you know, these are good records. And I, got, I started to get used to his voice. I still think his, his other voice is much better. Yeah, when it gets so smoother and... Uh... I heard in the early days uh, that he was it kind of adopted that Robert Plant uh, yeah, range. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, uh, he's covering the bass and uh, Alex Lifeson's covering the mid-range. And that was like to cut through the, uh, the sound. Well, I actually told you I thought he was a girl. Yeah. Closer when to I the, uh, first the started listening to Rush, was Closer to the Heart, uh, very first Rush song I heard. And then I said, that's a girl. And then I saw a picture of him and I said, that's a girl. <laughs> I did. <laughs> no. And I'm not putting him down. I'm, I'm actually... I've done that with bands. As a stupid 11-year-old. Oh, he's singing falsetto. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, it's not a put-down or a joke. It was actually what a stupid 11-year-old thought. And then, of course, I saw Rush, you know, on TV. And I said, oh, okay. And I just didn't like... But I do think that actually now that, that Geddy Lee is... is one of my favorite singers. Uh, still maybe not the early stuff, but uh, it's funny how I went from, I can't listen to Rush, which is basically the point that I had when I met Rob, to the point where I'm a big Rush fan now, because, because it had almost all to do with, well, if Rob really likes it, there must be something to it. 
actually the reason I got Rob into my band is because I saw him play with his friends oh, yeah, at our uh, high school and they, they played Rush immaculately. They just played, they just did a super job at Rush without, it was instrumental. There was you know, no Geddy Lee singing involved. No one could sing that. <laughs> but I had heard Rush live in a way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's different from hearing them on the record. And I said, you know, that's why, that was my first inkling that this band I really like. And I got to get into it more. And it was Rob, really. I don't, I think I would not be a big Rush fan at all. Maybe, maybe even be ignorant if I didn't meet Rob because Rob was always like, oh, I uh, talk to people about Rush. And then I would say, I got to get into this. There's something I'm missing. Because if Rob really, really yeah. likes it, then. And we have very similar tastes. And I was missing something. I was just being, I was being a little bit snobbish about the voice. And I'm not liking it, so I'm not going to like the band because I don't like the voice. And I guess my point is, is that sometimes your opinion can change. And sometimes you got to give things a chance. And don't be so critical. I was kind of an asshole. Not as a person, but as for people's uh and I've totally changed now, but I was such a, like, if you had a different view of mine, then you were an idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if you Everyone didn't see the capacity to be a music snob. Yes. But then as you get older, you realize how many different types of music there are. And Yes. Thank yeah. God you get mature because I was a music snob. I, I, I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, my friend actually calls me a music snob but I'm now but I'm not it's because I don't like her 80s music that she listens to <laughs> and she thinks because I don't like it I'm a snob but I'm not I just don't like that commercial 80s stuff that she listens to and I'll just say well I don't like it she goes oh you're being a snob eh, no I'm not being a snob I just don't like it that's my opinion I'm sorry if you yeah. don't like it um, make your own lists do your own thing find your music uh, the way you want to find it. If it's through your friends, if it's through lists, but don't let anybody tell you that just because a record is rated great and is listened to by a whole bunch of people that you have to like it, right? And you're wondering, why don't I like this record? Well, maybe you just don't like it, <laughs> okay? <laughs> that was me. Me and a few of the, uh, the few albums we've done, like some of the jazz albums. I know they're great and like uh, there's people who really love them and uh, but multiple listens, I just... It just doesn't get we me. did. We did. I think the best example of this. We I've gone back to this a few times. Is the Bridge Over Troubled Water album, which Rob and I both love all the music on. We loved all the music on. There was not one wrong note on that album, but it emotionally did nothing for me. Like I shouldn't say nothing, but it didn't move me like I thought it was for an album that's hailed as one of the greatest albums of all time. I gave it five stars because it deserved five stars. But in my heart, it's not an album that I don't even know if I'd ever listen to again. But I knew that it was a five-star record. There's a difference between liking something and knowing that it's great and loving it and wanting to hear it and being, and being like, I love that album. And, and that was an album that always... Cause, and it's funny that me and Rob felt the same way. I keep coming yeah. back to songs on that album, but uh, playing the whole way through. Uh, yeah. The thing I think that bugged, bugged both of us was that it was very sterile, or that it was very almost too perfect. And that there wasn't a lot of emotion that we found in it. 
and it seemed like it was almost note perfect and sometimes rock and roll should not be note perfect and have the right things at the right time sometimes it should but the alchemy on that record just didn't seem to hit me and uh that's an example of us really wanting to love this record but we couldn't we appreciated the five starness of the record and that it was a masterpiece but not in our hearts you yeah. know what i mean yeah yeah, I definitely, there's times I have different ratings for uh, what I think it is and uh, how it affects me. Yeah, sometimes you have to say that though, Rob. Sometimes you have to say, you know, this record gets four stars, but I because, I, because I know, but actually if I was rating it in my heart of hearts, it's like a three, but I know it's a four because of the musicianship and all that crap. And you yeah, did, yeah, you've done yeah. that the last couple of weeks after, which I appreciate because I like to hear that. I like to hear, you know what, our job is not specifically about just saying this record is good or not or or <laughs> for a mighty, you know short, what? mighty short show <laughs> or, or or i guess the point is it's not specifically about whether we like it or not it's it's looking at every single point of view of that album when you listen to it and when you and we've done this a lot especially with jazz albums and it's like wow that band is like the george Benson record that band's cooking and everything like that and then Rob makes up a good point by saying, you know, the the, the that one little thing about the, you know George Benson's guitar, guitar is a little the guitar sound is not for me. And it's like <laughs> I love when you say that. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to bring out the little things that people may not notice, and maybe it does bug them, but they don't know why. And that's why we have that expertise to kind of say, you know what, this is a. I'm not saying say because we both love the George Benson record, but some records we've listened to would say, you know, we're going to give this like three and a half, but we should give it two and a half. But the playing is so good, the songwriting's yes. good, it just doesn't do anything <laughs> for us. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the effort of the people making it uh, does influence my uh, my opinion of it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Which brings us to uh, extremely lateness of the show. All right, we haven't now. even reviewed the album yet. Uh, we'll just accept it's an hour and fifteen minute show. Oh, at best. <laughs> We're not going to try and break a record today. I wish we could because I love Jeff Beck. I love to talk about him, but I don't think we can as much as we should today. We are reviewing the 1976 album Wired from the recently passed away guitar legend Jeff Beck. Like seriously, we're talking of the millions and millions of people that have played guitar throughout the world in the last 120 years since... You know, it's been a recordable instrument or whatever. This guy is up in the like top three. And how <laughs> how great is that? Seriously, Rob, how great is that to know out of millions and millions of people who pick up that guitar, people think of you as being like, if not the greatest guitar player of them all, at least in the top three or five. Now I'd be angry at you. Stop that. <laughs> Stop that. What did you feel like? Yeah, hey, that's pretty good. And yet... I watched a, a biography on Jeff Beck a couple of years ago. Very good biography. I can't remember if it was on Showtime or something, whatever it was. It was a great... And yet his passion, even though his passion was guitar, and he loved guitar, he loved the mechanics of the guitar. He was also just as passionate about cars, and he loved cars. And when he did this album, Wired, he went on tour with the Jan Hammer Band, and... Um, and then they did a live album, but they went on tour. And then he took like four years off and didn't release another album 
until 1980. And I'm telling you, in the late 70s, when you took four years off, that was like 14 years yeah. back then. Yeah. That was an eternity. the music was changing so fast. Yeah. yeah. And he took it off because he wanted to do other things. He wanted to work on his cars. He wanted to find other cars to work on. So he is not driven by any commerciality whatsoever. Of course, making a Jazz Fusion album, even though they, they did those two albums, Blow by Blow and Wired, which is called The Twin Towers. I read that. I think it's great. The Twin <laughs> Towers of Jazz, Rock, Fusion, Guitar. Um, he did that, which is not supposed to sell music, but they went through the roof. Everybody, it seems every friend's house I went to had a cassette or a record of Wired or Blow by Blow. It's amazing. People who wouldn't touch jazz, these tough guys that we I knew, heard about who wouldn't touch years. jazz. For, knew he was in the yeah. Yardbirds and he played with uh, uh, Rod Stewart in the face. Or did he play with the faces? No, or he, he just was, played with Rod. He had Stewart Rod Stewart in his in his first band, the Jeff Beck Group. Yeah, and yeah. Ronnie Wood on on bass. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And then uh, the, the, this album I'd heard about for years, but uh, had never actually heard it. Then I uh, I saw the cassette tape at the uh, the store there, and uh, that was not in the other guy's house. I seen it. I bought it without per, without hearing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's so funny. I seen it in almost every place I went. Either it was a friend's brother's copy. I seen it in almost everybody's house that I went to, <laughs> either wired or blow by blow, and it was amazing. Like all these guys who would never listen to jazz, but it was Jeff Beck, man. So that's different. Um, it is different. It I'll, is different. I'll, I'll explain why it's different yeah. for me in a minute. I'm gonna make this really quick about Jeff Beck. Everybody knows about Jeff Beck. He was in the Yardbirds, uh, mid '60s. He replaced Eric Clapton uh, because Clapton didn't want to get commercial, even though he got damn commercial later on. No sarcasm there. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to get a commercial that early on. <laughs> and of course, uh, Jeff being known as kind of a hard person sometimes to work with. I hear he's a great guy, but he's can be a hard time, hard guy to work with. And he was in the yard for about two years. So many great solos. I'm not going to name them all. We don't have, you know, we've taken up too much time today. Uh but then he left the Yardbirds in 66. Jimmy Page uh, joined for a while on bass. Uh, and then Jeff just said, I don't want to do this, or, or for whatever reason. And he left the Yardbirds in 66, and then Jimmy Page took over guitar. Imagine having a band where Eric Clapton starts out on guitar, <laughs> and then Jeff Beck replaces you. And then, well, when Jeff Beck, well, we got Jimmy Page, you got the three greatest guitars of all yes. time in one band. The only other guy I heard of from the 60s there that, that anyone uh, is comparable was, uh, was Hendrix. And, uh Mm-hmm. But yeah, Page Clapton and Beck were the, uh, the the holy. Of trinity course, we're not. Uh, Those are the holy trinity of English uh, yeah. rock musicians. Never want to put aside. Of course, Hendrix. He is the greatest of all time. But it was always those three when everybody talked about the people who played like humans, <laughs> like yeah. Hendrix. It was always those three. Ever since I started listening to music from 1977 till this day, it was always like, uh, yeah, uh, Beck Clapton and, and Page. Yeah, Beck Clapton, Page. Beck Clapton, Page. All the time. And uh, then Jeff Beck uh, started. I got some interesting trivia. I know we're running out of time and we're really, but I got a real interesting <laughs> trivia question for you, Rob, and I want to see if you get it. I want to see if you get it. Uh, he started off his career with actually the Jeff Beck Group in 1968 with their classic masterpiece of an album, Truth, which I bought when I was a kid. Uh, was Led Zeppelin a year before Led Zeppelin? 
um, had Mickey Waller on drums, Ron Wood on bass, uh, Rod Stewart on vocals, just a great band, made two great albums, was supposed to play Woodstock, and a week before they were supposed to play Woodstock, Jeff Beck said, fuck this, I'm breaking up the band. Which I, and everybody says, oh, biggest mistake in rock history. Hey, maybe playing Woodstock labels you in some way, just like 10 years after it did. So maybe it was a good move. Who knows in retrospect. But anyways, he kind of went on a little sabbatical. And then he came back with a Jeff Beck group, a different Jeff Beck group. They made two more rock albums in the early 70s. Then uh, he was in, I can't remember his name. Uh, he was in the, a band with... Uh, with uh, uh, Tim Bogart and oh, Carmen Apiece uh, and Carmen Apiece in Beck uh, Bogart and Apiece yeah, very yeah. hard rock uh, they made one album they made a live album they started to make a second album things kind of fell apart and the album just didn't get released and that's when he moved to jazz fusion and he made uh, Blow by Blow which nobody had heard that kind of thing from a rock musician before and then he made Wired right after, the year after in 76. And they went, as as I said, they went through the roof. It seems like everybody had a copy. Everybody talked about it, I remember, in school. Seems like if you didn't have it, you were kind of... I'd never heard Wired. I seen it in Rob's house, too. I had Blow by Blow, and I had listened to Blow by Blow like a hundred times. I loved it. I We talk about not remembering jazz. I can yeah. remember every song on Blow by Blow. Well, that's why I was listening to Wired here, and I was remembering all these yeah. riffs, and I still remember them. Yeah, and I don't know why you that people can't remember stuff like us, but why we can't remember stuff from other jazz records when we can hear Jeff Beck. and I, It's definitely more rock-oriented. There's something different going on here. The drums are definitely more rock than jazz. This also yeah. has um, the parts that are uh, the, the stronger riff, riffs yes. than I find in jazz. Uh, and then, uh, just to quickly conclude, like 30 years, uh, Jeff came back in 1980 after he took a sabbatical with one more jazz album and then he moved into other areas took him another five years to release another album until uh, 1985 now five years again between 1980 and 1985 was like 10 years it got a little bit shorter because <laughs> we started you know things but still he spent five years before he released his second album his his album after there and back, which was Flash, which had Rod Stewart on it, had one of my oh, favorite yeah, solos on it. People get ready, which I just I used to listen to that song over and over again just to hear Jeff's solo. Oh, it's just an amazing. I know it's not difficult, but it's ingenious. There's a difference. There's a difference between I can play fast. Yeah. But I just came up with something really brilliant. On See, the that's guitar. what I was thinking. Listen to this album is you know there's lots of guys who can play fast, but uh, is what they're uh, playing uh, getting across to you? And yeah, uh, it's just fascinating. Listen to playing on this album, all the instruments, not just Joe. Oh back. yeah, I I, I I totally agree. Let's get to the album. Let's get to the album because you know what? It's uh, it's time. It's time. It's about I, time. I, I'm excited because. I think the only time I ever get really excited about a jazz album is yeah, like blow by blow. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? It's like only when it's rock musicians playing it do I get excited about jazz. No, that's not true. I'm just I'm just joking. But this this album, uh, I was going to say it right off the bat. It's just like it's just like it, it just kills me right at first listen. Right at first listen, I'm going like fuck. It's it's different than blow by blow, blow by blow, and I should say both albums 
are produced by George, George Martin, Martin yeah. the greatest producer of all time. Jeff Beck has unending praise for George Martin, saying that he brought out everything that made these albums what they were. And uh, but uh, Blow by Blow was a little bit more complex. It was this is a lot more uh, for this is a lot more uh, forward, like a lot more in your face, more direct, I should say. There was a lot more of variety on Blow by Blow. Uh, also, Jeff Beck wrote almost half the songs or co-wrote almost half the songs on Blow by Blow. Didn't write yeah. anything on this one. Didn't write anything on this no. one. No. And this is, well, that's, I'm not saying it better or worse. I'm just saying that uh, that's why there's a, a difference uh, between the two albums. They're not just interchangeable. Um, like I said, this is a lot more... Uh, a lot more like four guy, four guys playing on like blow by blow, which seemed that there was orchestras a little bit on one or two songs. Oh yeah, okay. little, yeah, you know what I mean. A little bit more of a production to this one is more like this just, one is, just yeah, go. Yeah, just the band. This just the band. Something about this, uh, the, it gave me the feeling I was listening to a Led Zeppelin album. Okay, well that's what we're going to start <laughs> with, because first of all, a keyboard player Max Middleton wrote the first song Lead Boots, which is a homage to Led Zeppelin. And it sounds like Led listen Zeppelin. to the drums in that song. <laughs> listen to the drums. Uh, listen to wow. listen to where they stop, and they stop just like Led Zeppelin stops in their song. Da 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 da. And it's oh just, yeah, just amazing. And uh, there's nothing in this world. I'm telling you right now, if you're a guitar player, there's nothing in this world ever. Well, maybe when we're past and gone, there's another guitar player I'll come up. But Jeff Beck playing a ballad on the guitar. There's nothing like it. Clapton can't do it. Jimmy Page can't do it. Even Hendrix can't do it. Uh, when Jeff Beck plays a ballad, and he plays uh, the Charles Mingus song, Goodbye Pork by Hat, and it's just like, fuck, man. It's not about how fast you play. It's about how you play it. And... The guy can make you cry just by bending the guitar string a certain yeah. way. And it just blows me away. It just blows me away every time how this guy, he's probably the only guitar player, seriously, that can make me cry with his slow songs. Of course, you don't usually cry with the fast songs. It's like, I get rocking, right? <laughs> you cry rocking. for the wrong reason. But even Clapton can't do that to me. And even my favorite guitar player of all time, Jimmy Page, can't do that to me, even though he plays amazing guitar. Only Jeff Beck makes it sound like the guitar is crying. And it makes it sound like it's a human being and actually sorrowful yeah, and in pain. You know, that's what I was thinking. Some of the bends in that and uh, slide, his left hand work on the fretboard. Um, there's so many things he does. Um, vibrato is when you um, uh, slide the quickly move your finger mm -hmm. along the fret. Uh, but there's another kind of, kind of vibrato where you move it perpendicular to the fret. Uh, and that uh, actually raises and lowers the notes above and below what it is. Whereas the, uh, the other vibrato just raises it up and then brings it back down to the, where it is. But uh, Ben slides... He's, He's so expressive with his left hand. I think, smooth. I think smooth. that's a great expressive summation of why smooth. he's so good and different from other guitar players, especially from, from Clapton and Page, is, is, his, is his left hand and how he moves it. And I've never heard anybody play like that. 
That's what makes him so distinctive, and that's what makes him a genius. I've never heard him play fast. I've never heard him. Well, there's a couple things on Blow by Blow where he's going, but mostly I never hear him do that. I never hear him go like a Steve Vai or an Igby Malmsteen. He doesn't do that shit. What he does is that he moves you emotionally. That's what makes him so great. And he does it, it's seemingly effortlessly. And when you do it effortlessly, that's what makes you great. And you're right it's all his left hand and it's all the sounds he makes and some things you think are playing the keyboard <laughs> it's not the keyboard that's yeah. that's the effects put on the on the guitar on the guitar and was... you're going that he's playing that Jan Hammer's playing really fast <laughs> on that keyboard and you're realizing Jeff Beck is playing like I could just see Jeff Beck playing and it's almost like nothing like going up and down <laughs> yeah. I remember there were parts where I was trying to differentiate between which was keyboards and which yeah. was lead guitar I did that for the first couple listens. I think by the third listen, I got it. But the first couple, I'm going, that's keywords. Oh, no, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to listen to the whole solo to kind of make a full determination. Of, you do. Even then you're kind of, sometimes you're guessing. <laughs> sometimes you are guessing. And it just amazed me how, how stunning he is and how, how um, warm this music is too. to play it and to get you feel good. You know, you feel good. Some jazz is kind of like, oh, this is over my head. And it's still, this is over our head. But because of the people playing it and because Jeff Beck is playing guitar, but it's still accessible to me. Like it's still, it's still say, hey, you want to do a wired? You want to do a blow by blow? I could say with us. And then I say, okay, well, let's try it. And there's yeah. other stuff, you know, like weather report and stuff. It's like, no, man, we, that's not, that's, <laughs> that, we can't do that. That's not, that's not in our genes. But this, this has a rock and roll heart to it. It's fun. Something sometimes that jazz is not a lot of times jazz is not fun. It's complicated, and it's it's intricate, and it's it's a lot of things. But a lot of times they lose the fun out of it by trying to be so go too far go into too the musical far. wilderness. Yeah. Yes, and this is totally accessible. Not commercial, but totally accessible. There's a difference. Commercial is when you is when you're trying to get a hit single out of it, and. Uh, and there's no trying to get a hit single out of any no. of these. Although it's not, it's not also, it's not also. Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Complicated in terms of it's hard listening. It's not hard listening at all. It's very welcoming. I find that the 35 or 36 minutes goes by extremely quick. Sometimes I want to listen to it again right away. <laughs> I just love this album. I don't think it's as good as Blow by Blow by just a little bit because Blow by Blow was so varied and I have an emotional attachment to it. Uh, I would give uh, Blow by Blow five stars. I think it's a brilliant record. I, I, I lived that album for so long. Again, not really a partial type of... Uh, of um, description of the album for Blow by Blow because I'm way too attached to it. That's why I didn't pick it to, uh, as an album to showcase uh, this one, which I've heard none, but I've heard about hundreds of times, like I said, seeing cassettes in almost everybody's house. And God, I'm glad I finally heard it. As such, it was just, and it was such a revelation because it was like the, the fourth jazz album we did in a week. No. <laughs> and I knew it was going to be good. I didn't think it would be this good. This is a four and a half star record. And uh, and just because Blow by Blow was a five star record, I, I, it, it gets four and a half. And uh, but this is the kind of jazz that I, 
you know, I wish jazz was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I gave it a four and a half in my heart. It's a 5.1. Wow, that's great. That's you know, great. I every time feel good listening to this album, and uh, whenever I am I'm doing something, I stop and listen. I'm always blown away by the, what all of them are playing. Uh, the mix I thought was absolutely awesome. Because Does this you sound good? Can hear every instrument clearly, crystal. The, the mix, the whole production by George Martin, and he's not the greatest producer of all time for for no reason. Of course, the Beatles, but it just be, you know, even if you take the Beatles out of the equation, like his stuff that he did after 1970, like stuff like this and blow by blow, uh, the production on this is amazing. The sound is fan fucking tastic. Yeah. And the mix is about as perfect as you can get. And this is quite a ways away from what the Beatles were doing. So it's a different kind of. Uh... Uh, uh, producing this is very far of course this is jazz fusion very far away from what the beatles were doing but it didn't seem like anything was out of george martin's ballpark <laughs> no <laughs> i really just put george martin in uh, my top five producers because he is a producer who adds stuff a lot of producers uh limit things uh, uh subtract they, they, they can't do that too much just to make it simple like this it's a great when a producer knows when George to add Martin, stuff. He'll be like, uh, you know, I'd like and to put in a uh, trumpet here. I'd like yeah. to put in some strings here. Yeah, that's, like <laughs> that's what I like. And 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 they and and it's not an overproduction. It's just they know when oh, to put yeah. parts in. You know? Exactly, it's the perfect thing to yeah. add for the mood. It's like oh, and then they go damn. oh, and then you got George Martin saying lead boots. I like it as is. It's got a good feel. Let's leave it as is. They know when to leave a song as is. They know when to add a really strange part, but the, for some reason they can hear it. That is what makes you the greatest producer of all time. <laughs> and uh, I just keep on remembering uh, Jeff Beck always saying like George Martin, like he always knew what to do. He always was encouraging, and he always just knew what to do. <laughs> you know, he just <laughs> always did. And uh, I don't think I've I've ne I've ever heard Jeff Beck praise anybody like he did George Martin producing these two albums. And uh, it, you're right; it just sounds utterly fantastic, utterly warming. A very analog recording. It feels yes. so warm. Yeah. It has almost a sizzle to it somehow. It, uh... <laughs> I'd like to just mention really quickly the players on here because we should mention, them. of course, Jan Hammer, uh, who plays some keyboards on here, not on all the songs, but you really know when he's playing. He's got that Miami Vice sound even at that early stage in 76 when his synthesizer comes in. Uh, you have the, uh, the great Narado Michael Walden who writes like almost half this album, uh, plays the drums, uh, He's known as a jazz drummer, and he's known as kind of a jazz drummer and producer, and he's produced many people. Great player. Max Middleton, an English musician who played with the Jeff Beck group from 1971 to Blow by Blow to this album. Uh, these guys are all, thankfully, still alive, except for Jeff, unfortunately. Um, they're all still playing in their, you know, 70s, late 70s. And uh, those are the ones, I, you know, and I wanted to mention people last week. I didn't get to mention it because the, the people that are playing, Jan Hammer, by the way, played last week and all that stuff. And uh, which I didn't, I, I did mention it because we did talk about that. Yeah, we did. And, uh, but the star of the show, by, I mean, the band is fantastic. And they sound like they're having a, a hoot and a half. Yes, I definitely hear the fun that they're having yeah. when they're doing this. The, the, the hands are just so free and loose and... Uh... 
but there is there is no album without Jeff Beck and even as sometimes as buried as he might be in some of these songs all I think about when this is over with is Jeff Beck and that tells you just like I did with a blow by blow it's like uh, there's a lot going on but when it all comes down to it it's like his guitar playing and his name on it and it's uh, and it's his album well half George Martin too <laughs> and uh, he's much missed my god he was he, he's just these guys that pass when a guy like when a guy like Beck passes and and someday Clapton will pass and Jimmy Page will pass and that's when they will all just be history just yeah they'll history. just be they'll just be their, their their records and their videos that you see on the of their concerts and uh you know, I had a chance to see Jeff Beck once or twice, and I, I passed it up. And it's those moments that you know, you, uh, oh, I hate that. I just hate that. I just, uh, oh, I'll it's always see the him wrong time. Next time they're in town, I'll see him next time. You know what? He comes so often, or or that that old thing. Well, it's the old thing, Rob. Like you just said, I'll see him next time. Yeah. And oh. sometimes they don't tour again, or they don't. The guy, especially like Jeff Beck. Fuck, man, don't depend on Jeff Beck to do anything. He can, <laughs> he can tour two, three years in a row, and then not tour for like fifteen. I mean, that's the way he is. I mean, he does things the way he wants to do it. And if I could have, my God, if I could have saw Jeff Beck once play guitar. And he plays guitar the best way to see him. Like you see like uh, Clapton. And you know that Clapton doesn't, he plays a little bit. But he doesn't play like he did when we reviewed Derek and the Dominoes, right? I mean, he really, he's not that, No, he won't play that fiery guitar more anymore. subdued. Uh, yes. And when you see jazz, Jimmy Page. He feels a jazz player. It's almost like seeing, it, it's it's really rough because he plays the hard, the heavy. But when you see Jeff, he's the best person to see it because i watched the documentary i got to see a lot of clips from him playing live and he plays a lot like this he plays a lot of slow songs he reminds me of miles davis and miles davis can play these incredibly fast songs and 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 everything and but when miles davis plays a slow song like a ballad like my funny valentine and he and he takes that horn out if you're not crying by the end, you have no emotions whatsoever. And he could floor you for 90 minutes, Miles Davis. But he doesn't because that's not where his heart at all time. His heart is at always going ahead and expanding. Watching Jeff Beck, he, he plays two or three songs in a concert. And they're crystal clear like this recording because it's, it's very laid back, right? And he'll just be bending the string, and you're just like, oh my god, this is this is the most beautiful thing I've heard in my life. And then it's like, okay, now we're gonna rock it a little bit, okay? Because I don't stand still. That's what I admire. That's that's Jeff Beck is like fuck this. Jeff Beck will always, I think, if I had to put it in really one definition, the only guitarist that can make me cry. I mean, that's from a pretty tough guy. You know what I mean? He's a tough guy. He's got a heart of gold, but this was this was a guy known for taking not a lot of bullshit. And sometimes it's the toughest guys that make the most beautiful. Like a Miles Davis, the Prince of Darkness, <laughs> <laughs> known for being a son of a bitch, could play the most beautiful music in the world. And same with Jeff Beck. Oh, God, we're going to miss him. Yeah. 
So that's our show for today. We started off kind of sick and uh, disoriented, but it ended pretty good. We pulled through. Uh, we pulled through. I get a week off, thank God. Week off. <laughs> you don't, because when we come back, we're not going to get into all that. <laughs> next week, uh, I don't know. Next Who week, well, you know, next week we won't have the we won't have the week off. You know, we'll, we'll talk about forget it. It's so complicated. If you're listening stupid. to this show now, there will be another one next week. <laughs> there. there will be another show next week. Not for us. But don't think about it too much. It's like a, it's like a maze if you try to think about it too there much. There will not be another show next week, but not in your time. <laughs> the more you explain it, the more fucked up people get. <laughs> it's perfectly simple. And if it sounds like 1988, maybe we are from 1988. <laughs> well, that's our show for this week. Now, uh, like we said, next week we will have... Uh, it's complicated. Uh, but we will have another uh, in memoriam next week. Uh, I will tell you. It doesn't matter. These people have passed. I don't even know. It's a mystery to me. It's, we're going to do an Ian Tyson album. I'm going to tell you who we're going to do. I'm going to, we got, we got a minute or two. So, okay. Well, everybody, uh, we're going to do Ian Tyson. A week after that, I've decided, uh, and I decided this earlier. First of all, we had all men here, which I thought was unfair. And I thought we d- certainly deserve to give... Uh, a legendary woman uh, shot. No, it's not Christy McVie. I'm sorry. I, I love Christy McVie. I've had a crush on her since the late 70s. But we're going to do a lot of, a few Fleetwood Mac records in the future. Another girl that I had an absolute crush on, and I think she's the best, is Olivia Newton-John. We're also going to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, seriously, that was my first crush. And, and then we're going to uh, end it with somebody, I forget now. <laughs> Some of you just passed. I, I, I'm sorry. I, my mind is not working. What is the last album? Now I'm not signing off until I We're remember. Not we got to know. <laughs> Who just passed away, Rob? You wrote it down, didn't you? I have not followed the news in a while. Well, you know, because we were talking about last week. contact with the humans at all. Um, you know, it's going to be somebody that's going to be... I feel really bad about not remembering. Uh, I feel really bad about not remembering. Momentary slip of uh, the mind there. It is. It's. Uh, I apologize uh, because I, I, I'm not exactly thinking straight today, and I would usually remember something like this. And I feel bad because it's a person uh, that we would have that I've thought about having on the show. Oh, I added this person. We were going to have three weeks. Oh yeah, because and we uh, were going. I was going to end with Olivia Newton-John, and then I decided, oh, this person, I got to have this. I got to squeeze this person on. Um, and didn't I say that that I was going to squeeze that person on we're not leaving I'm we're sorry leaving. we're not leaving we have to find the answer to this question I'm going to check real quickly and I'm going to uh, just type into the computer who's dead I'm going to type in who's dead man <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible handy. we should edit this but you know what we don't do that no, we don't. We don't do that. Editing. I wish somebody would phone in. Can someone? Oh, we do have a phone call in. That didn't no, cost don't. more money. Oh no, it's not any money. Oh, David Crosby. The David Cross. Crosby. Okay, Sorry. yeah, we talked about the him. Cross. We're going to do a Crosby and Nash album, and uh, I can't believe I forget the Cross of all people, uh, an unforgettable person. But uh, that's our going to be our four week in memoriam. I don't never. That's the first time we've ever done that. Was tell people what our 
yeah, for what sure. our thing is going to be. I have no recollection of uh, actually telling what the next week's show would be ever on the show. This no, I've never done that. But I, I there's no real reason to hide it. Uh, yeah, I always like funny. it to be a surprise, but... I think everybody knows that we've had some losses and they expect, I think they like to know who the four people, and uh, I know that Olivia Newton-John has been a little bit of a while, I think it was in the summertime, but uh, first of all, there should be a woman on there and uh, definitely, I, I think Olivia Newton-John is much underrated and uh, it's going to be good, it's going to be a, a good four weeks, really enjoyed today, even though being sick. <laughs> I just and having a really rough start because I had no script uh, I'm glad we got to talk about one of my heroes Jeff Beck and I don't want to go over time so I'm just going to say everybody uh, have a good week and take care and stay safe I just write her on.